Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome in South of Scruffy podcast. I'm Ben Fields. I am your host. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it a lot. Thanks for being here. Got Travis Bigwood on the show today. Travis Bigwood is a singer songwriter. He's a former bass player. I bet he still messes around with it a little bit, Uh, but you've seen him around. Uh, Wonderful voice, wonderful songwriter, good storyteller, great dude to have on the show. Uh, Sorry, it's not my my wife and my daughter like I had threatened to do, but it's funny how those threats work. All of a sudden, everybody, you know, came out of the woodwork uh, and said, you know, I'll if you're being safe about it, I'll come over and I'll be on the show. So I, I had a bunch of people reach out and uh, we got the bank uh, starting to fill back up again. I recorded a few podcasts uh, this week that we'll be releasing uh, over the next couple of weeks. So thank you guys. And uh, thanks for spreading the word. Continue to tell your friends and all that. And um, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you are listening right now. If that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever that is, uh, hit the subscribe button for South of Scruffy Podcast and get updated whenever new episodes come out, which is every Monday. Uh, Still making it through quarantine time, quarantine era, social distancing era. Everything's uh, starting to become somewhat normal this way. And I don't know, I'm going to be I'm going to be happy when it's back back to normal uh, for sure. If it ever is, we'll see. Uh, But We'll keep coming at you with some new podcasts to keep your quarantine a little more bearable. Uh, reach out to me on Instagram at South of Scruffy. Send an email, South of Scruffy at gmail.com. Uh, started to get a few emails that uh, I want to share with you guys. Probably next week uh, be a good time for that. But uh, let's get into Travis Bigwood. I think you guys are uh, really going to really gonna enjoy this. Travis and I were neighbors for a while in Park Ridge, uh, lived uh, right across the street from each other for some time and kind of weaved in and out of each other's lives for the last few years. Uh, Travis released uh, his song Pause Place, I believe, on Spotify a couple years ago. And the uh, album artwork that he used uh, for that was a photo of my cat from my old house. And that cat, Baxter, is not with us anymore. Uh, but I still get to see him on Spotify when I listen to uh, to Travis's song pause place on Spotify. Um, so that was cool. We didn't really, we didn't talk about that. I forgot to talk about that, but I, I, I'd like to thank him for, for using Baxter's likeness, uh, for his album artwork. Cause it, it warms me up every time I get to see it. Uh, all right, let's do it. Let's go ahead and get into it. Travis Bigwood. Come on now. Here we go. Travis Bigwood. Yeah. How do you sound? Sound pretty good. Here I am. Check, check. Yeah, it's good. Dude, how are you? I've had a, quite a day. Have huh? you? <laughs> what have what you been up to? Well, you know, I it's in the midst of all of this stuff going on. Somehow I landed a job that has been deemed essential. Oh, good. You know, honestly, about a month and a half ago, I have been working a career I never thought I'd have. I uh, somehow landed a gig in finance. Have you always, I thought you'd always been kind of something in that, in that world. So my favorite thing is when I tell people that and they go, I didn't even know you had a job. That, really? that, <laughs> that is, I'm like, cause I always tried to separate the two. Yeah. The music and, and a job. Exactly. Yeah. This, yeah. this like creative outlet that I wanted to be. And this thing that I had to be to fuel that, yep. you know, ambition, make it, make it possible. Yeah, exactly. So, 
you know, I got offered a position, um, honestly, because of my personality. Like, I'm not even trying to toot my own horn. That's what the guy told me. Yeah. He was like, you have no background in finance whatsoever. <laughs> like, but I think you have the personality for it. You know, it, it was a gentleman I went to college with. He was taking over his dad's company. And I was like a manager at an Olive Garden at the time. Oh, really? Yeah, I've lived a couple of lives. No doubt. <laughs> up until this point. So I had like, got to the top of that and and they were they were even like hey do you want to start the process of becoming a restaurant manager right and and you know anytime you pursue something you look at who's successful and it's do you want to be that person right so i looked at all these restaurant managers and i was like like district managers or just like a store just yeah, their just, own yeah. their own store like a gm of a of Ex an olive garden exactly yeah. and, and they had just bought cheddars at the time too darden owns olive garden that. and well, they owned Red Lobster, they sold them, then they bought Cheddars and all this. So it's like a holdings company that Yeah, has exactly. A bunch There's of a big products. umbrella and they've got some like more niche stuff in Florida. Um gotcha. Uh but <laughs> Olive Garden's pretty niche. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, it was hey Travis, you've been here for four years, you you've been successful, you you've managed everything that we wanted you to. We're expanding. Do you want to be a part of it? And, you know, I looked at the three restaurant managers and then we had our GM and I was like, do I want to be those people? Yeah. You know, is that the lifestyle I wanted? And the answer was no. And I actually quit that. Yeah. And that was the summer I met you. Yeah. Which was probably two <laughs> or three years ago. Something yeah. Like that. So, yeah. So that summer I decided I wasn't, I was done. I was like, I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. I want to take a deep breath and try to play some music stuff and, and just live a little differently than I did. And, yeah. and it almost all fell in perfectly. So it always does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like even to give context to what we're saying, cause we were both there, yeah. you know, I had just like moved out of a house with a band, uh, um, and, and, you know, been moving around a couple of times. When was this? It was, it was about three and a half years ago. Okay. Um, and, uh, so a house opened up in Park Ridge. Yeah. Right across the street from me. And, and <laughs> it's like built in 1899, oh, you know, dude. had a plaque right beside the front door because it was on the historic registry. Yeah. And I love history. Yeah. Like, and again, I'm not trying to open up too many cans of worms at once because, you know, we'll have to put out all the fires. But <laughs> I love, like, I adore history. Yeah. And I knew that it was a barber house, you know, even before Jerry yeah, the, set me down. The architect, uh, yeah. George Barber. George Barber, yeah. yeah. Who and, built a ton of houses in Park Ridge, right? Yeah. So, well, he, he was the architect for a bunch of houses. So were they, the way my understanding of it was George Barber would sell his floor plans in a, in a catalog or something like that. And in order to populate the catalog with photos of the homes, he built a bunch of them in Park Ridge. Is that you what you've know heard? more than I do. I could be wrong about that, but somebody told me that when I lived in Park Ridge. Well, it, you have the real ones and then you even have the mock ones. Like you, right. you can go through, even if you go up north, like near Fountain City, there's some houses that mock what the George Barber houses were doing, yeah. you know, and, and it's living in that was awesome and, and very inspirational. Sure. Um, I'd never lived in a place first off completely by myself and, and you know, the house, but it's, it's beautiful. It, you know, everything about it is eccentric. Like yeah. every detail was like, how can we make this a little funky? Yeah. You know, one of the sidings of the house looks like it has scales on it, you yeah. know, and it's like purple and it's got four porches. And, and again, I'm not saying that like I had the money to do it cause I didn't, I truly got lucky. And the gentleman who, 
essentially, I, I say that he curates the housing there. He wants to help people out. He, yeah, Jerry. Uh, yeah, his name's Jerry, and and man, I, I hope he listens to this. Jerry's uh, the man. I'll, I'll be sure to send it to him. So the first, the day that that we moved into our house, right across the street from 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 your house, it was before you lived there. It was when Jerry Jerry was still living there. And uh, he came over the first day we moved in and we sat on the porch and had a <laughs> bottle of wine and chatted that, you know, and it was like, okay, great. We've got a neighbor that is glad that we're here. And, you know, I think we had a kid at the time already. So it was, you know, it was, it was cool that we, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. I think he was excited that a new kind of young family was moving in across the street. And then, so he moved to Ireland, right? Yeah. Mm. And, and you, were you the first person to move in when he was moving to Ireland? So Claire, there was a lady yeah, yeah, named Claire there, and yeah. she's, she, I'm pretty sure she's still the lead oboe player in the yeah. Knoxville Symphony Orchestra. She is. I think she's the first chair oboe for the KSO. Yeah. And, and she's also in the chain, I think it's a chamber orchestra or something like that, which is a smaller, the, the all-star yeah. group of them. Well, she's amazing. And, she's awesome. And living. Claire Chenette. Yeah. 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 We thought that she played clarinet instead of oboe. <laughs> and when she told us her name was Claire Chenette, I was like, wait, Claire Chenette <laughs> plays clarinet. She's like, now I play oboe. I was like, okay, good. Yeah. Because your name rhymes with well, that other one. You can't play Well, again, one. she was living in that residence. And yeah. again, even a testament to what Jerry wanted that house to be, right? Yeah. He he didn't see it as a money sign, right? Because yeah. he, he he had this beautiful home and he was like, I want to move to Ireland because I have the opportunity to do it and I want to help people. And, you know, I don't know what Claire was making at the Knoxville Symphony Orchestra, but it wasn't enough to rent the, the high end dollar of what that house could. Yeah. Rent I mean, that's for. a half a million dollar house. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. a big mortgage. So she would she was living there when Jerry moved to Ireland and she was, um, you know, essentially, you know, the landlord of it because yeah. Jerry didn't want to have to be involved in it. Yeah. And so the only way I got it was she was saying, hey, I'm going to go to California for the summer. Do you want to watch the house? Yeah. And, and that was the terms, yeah. right? It wasn't sign this contract leasing right. agent. And the line, like it all lined up well enough to where I actually got to meet Jerry. Yeah. I remember he, he introduced us. <laughs> yes. He introduced you and I. You were visiting one day, I think. Well, the original setup was, hey, call Jerry just so he knows who you are since you're going to yeah. be in his house or, or like email him or something. But, you know, it, it just lined up that we got to meet each other and- I thought it was going to be like a 30 minute thing. Yeah. Boy, was, no. did I under-evaluate that? Like, yeah. you know, three I, days later, exactly, you're saying, yeah. I got there at 10 at the house and I'd already been there. So it was already like, Hey, you're moving in, but he wants to meet you. And, and the way that it was built and, and the way that he furnished it just accented all of it. Like every yeah. room had its own character. Yeah. He really leaned into it. Oh yeah. One, oh, there was a room upstairs where all the walls, uh, or a single wall was just covered in like tribal mask, you know, yeah. like every room had its own vibe and it just fit. It's like, if you're wacky everywhere, then the vibe is wacky, you know, yeah. like, like, and, um, so end up sitting down with him and I just, I was like, you know, almost being formal. I was like, Oh, he, he's the guy who owns the house. Yeah. Like, like, and then like, <laughs> you put my game face on. Yeah. I need to, I need to like straighten up the tie, mm -hmm. you know, comb the hair back. And I think like one of the first things he like, asked me, he asked, he asked me about some like lady he was interested in. Yeah. And, and then I said something, he goes, Oh, you're weird. Like me, this is going to be good. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? I don't even know you. So, you know, like I thought it was going to be 30 minutes. We ended up being together for like four and a half hours. Yeah. He walked me through the yard, like told me what every plant was. And, yeah. and, and I didn't see it. None of it to me was like, this is over the top or anything. It, it would showed 
anytime he talked about the house, anytime he talked about himself, anytime he talked about me being there, it just showed how much he loved Park Ridge. Yes, and how much he loved that house. Yes, and I, I feel like you're right. He he cur- he curates the occupants of that house, and I, he wants to help. I think he wants people that are you know musicians or artists or whatever to to be able to live in a in a in a cool place, but you know not have to break the bank to do it, and you know to kind of support them while they go feed their feed their art. Well, their I, I wrote some beautiful songs in that house. Did you? Because of those walls. I, I mean, you were a product of your environment, sure. you know, and if it wasn't for that summer, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be as heavy on this solo stuff as I am. Cause I, I hadn't been at that point. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, I knew you as a bass player then, right? Yeah. You, I was, I was playing heavily with a, a band that's kind of fizzled out uh, called Sweet Years. Yeah, yeah. Who is pretty heavy in the pilot light scene. Yeah. Uh, and, Dakota, right? Yeah. Dakota Smith. And he's doing a certain zone now. And and uh, and a gentleman named Zach Gillerin was on drums. Oh, yeah. Well, they were called Zach and Dakota's Sweet Life. Yeah. Before. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember uh, Blake, uh, sound guy? Blake uh, Cass. Blake Cass. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was the one who first told me about them. Blake used to work over at Pop Fizz a little bit oh, as, a, as yeah. a sound guy. And I met him and, and he and I worked together. You know, quite a bit about five years ago, and he told me about Zach and Coda's sweet life yeah. and, 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 and all that. Um, but I remember seeing you at that house, uh, and I remember seeing you in a tie and like dressed up kind of nice. Uh, was that going to this finance job? So, at the back end of living there, I had been offered, um, a job like right when I decided to step away from Olive Garden, someone, one of my friends got wind that I decided to step away and said, Hey, I think you would be a good fit here in this finance world. And where I come from, that's not an opportunity you can say no to. Really? Like, like a, like a white collar kind of exactly. job like, in you know, finance. My dad, and, and I don't think that where you come from has to define you, but it, it's always going to be a part of you. And, yeah. and, and it, it does set like a bar, you know, like you have realistic expectations yeah. about yourself, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think about it all the time and, and yeah, me I, I've mentioned it on the show before. Like, it's really hard. I, it's, I think it's really hard to get out of like, if call it the caste system, like of your like socioeconomic standing that you're born into. And, and I mean, up and up and down. Like if you're, if you're born, uh, you know, a, a upper 1% kid, you become it, president. No, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but really like that guy was never going to be poor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was never going to work his way out of where he was, he was born into up or down, you know? Um, and, and so I think it's, I think it's interesting when, when people do make a leap, like when you hear about people that kind of came from, you know, quote unquote, nothing, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and really rise up and, and and make that next, make that next step. I think it's really, really hard to do. And not a lot of people do it. Well, even what you're saying, like, you know, no one says this, but where you're born and, and the family that you're given, you almost feel like you have these brackets and, and you don't know them and you don't define like them. Like ceilings and, and floors? Both ways though. Yeah. You, you know, like if, you know, we're talking about the top 1%. They don't know what it feels like to be happy that there's like four quarters in your car so you can go get like a fast food sandwich yeah, yeah. or something, you know, right. like and get excited about it. Yeah. Like that sounds petty, but like I remember being in college in Murfreesboro and I was thankful to have like a thousand dollar grant, you know, through the school and, yeah. and it ended up all getting covered. But I was working like three jobs and like that was the bottom for me, you know, like yeah. I, I knew like I had to work this hard to get somewhere. Sure. You know, and, and um uh, you know, 
when you're up at this up at the top and that's where you've always been, you can't sympathize or even relate to someone. You can say, oh, I, yeah, it's yeah, probably hard. Let me tell me about your life. Yeah. You don't understand it. It's context. It's a different, different context. But I think it goes the other way, too. Like, yeah, like I agree. I don't understand. And sometimes when I do have very what you would define as fancy um, experiences, I almost feel like I shouldn't be in them. Yeah. Just like someone on the top 1% might get an experience where they feel like, you know, they're not being provided for or something and they feel like they shouldn't be there. Like, I think I it goes you. both ways. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and so I don't even, I don't know. <laughs> well, where'd you come from? <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Where'd you, where'd you grow up? What'd you do? Where'd you, how'd you grow up? So, you know, I got this opportunity to work in finance Yeah. and you know, I didn't finish college or anything. Uh, and my dad, like the, the environment that I grew up in, my parents used to have to take me to my grandmother's every night on school nights because they had to wake up and go to work. Yeah. You know, my mother retired from Knox County Sheriff's Department like three or four years ago. So she worked that job since she was 20, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, cops make about what teachers do. Yeah. You know, and not and, enough. Exactly. And my yeah. father uh, worked at Sea Ray Boats. Oh, yeah. For like 30 years. Oh, wow. I, I think, I, you know, I also have a very Southern dad. You know, he doesn't. Tell me a lot of things. Yeah, like, like, it's his cross to bear, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you got to find the moments to pick up the pieces. But, yeah. you know, he didn't graduate high school because he got a job there and he said, hey, this is an opportunity. I'm going to take it. And he worked all the way up to manager. That's great. And then he got laid off in 2008. Yeah. And, and like, but we did grow up in a trailer park and my dad came from a family of eight brothers and sisters and, and he was the youngest. He I have gotten little snippets of his story mm -hmm. and, and, um, you know, he's told me about waiting in line to get Christmas presents from, yeah. from, you know, and, and, and going to work at 15 and half of his, you know, salary or, or hourly paycheck going to his mom and dad to yeah. take care of them. And, yeah. and like truly, like I said, the opportunity to say, Hey, you might be a financial advisor one day. <laughs> Again, it almost felt too good to be true to yeah. me. It was like, a, like you didn't belong. Like, like it didn't like that title just never it's, you know, like putting pieces together. Like this word connects with this word. It's like financial advisor, Travis Bigwood. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> you got to find a different name. You, yeah. You know? And, and so I couldn't say no to it and ended up pursuing it. And, you know, I got what's called a series 65. Um, it's a federal government test that you got to take to yeah. be able to, you know, be part of one of those firms. And, and I did it for three years and, Honestly, um, and this is nothing about the firm that I worked for or anybody. It's just like that industry has a whole, you know, mm -hmm. it's like you literally have someone that you ask to come and sit down at a table with you and you look at them and they say, Hey, I'm talking to you about every dollar I've ever saved in my life. Right. And I don't know what to do with it, but That's I know it's not enough and I need you to help me with it. Yeah. And, you know, I would say, hey, I think we should do this. I think we should do this. I'm confident about it because yeah. that's who I'm supposed to be. And I know that's who you need me to be. Yeah. But then I would go home and, you know, I read all these books. I, I took all these tests. I felt like I knew what I was doing. And then I would tell somebody to do something and then they would go do it. And then I would stay up until five in the morning researching those things even more because I was so scared that I put them in the wrong thing. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. Oh, every penny somebody's ever made. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and you just, you just gave them a, the most confident answer of what they should do with their money. And you're not confident. An educated that's guest. Work. That's yeah. what I gave them. Yeah. 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 So when you, when you were growing up, it was pretty, pretty modest, I guess. 
trailer park life? So we got out of that pretty young. I, like, I, I guess it was around, I was seven or eight when we moved to a house, but we, you know, we were the first house out in Corrington, but yes, yeah, oh, you're, yeah. you're exactly right. Um, you know, it wasn't like we got everything we wanted and, and, yeah. and we spent summers working, you know, side jobs with my dad. Like I am very good at doing uh crown molding. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> those angles, you know? Yeah. Those are, those are tough. Oh yeah. <laughs> I learned all my cuss words doing that with my yeah, dad I, one summer. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet. So, uh, so it was, it was, you know, growing up, you kind of got started to work your way kind of up the up the ladder a little bit, life started to get better, I guess, a little bit or a little, you know. I, you know, I'm, I made the decision to go to college and I have an older brother. He's got three years on me and I was the, I, I think he went to Pellissippi, but I was like, I went to MTSU. It yeah. was like, I was the first one in our family to like move away to go to college and, and, um, it felt different. Like I, I moved out when I was 17, but I was living with a band in Murfreesboro. Yeah. Like it was already duality right there. You know, it was like, go to school during the day, but remember that you're out here to play music and be in a band at night. And Murfreesboro was a perfect town to do it. Yeah. I've uh, heard that. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you could any night, any day of the week, you know, you could get on your bicycle cause it's flat out there and, and, you know, ride for miles and, and you would just find a house that had all kinds of bikes in front of it, bicycles. And then you just go inside and listen to music. Really? Yeah. And like, it's like house concerts. Yeah. They, they had great, uh, house show scene. There was like, they, all the houses had names too. Like I, I remember the first house show I went to was called, uh, it was at a place called the lion's den and they had <laughs> a big statue of a lion in their like room that they had shows. And there was a place called, uh, like trash mountain. And it was like right beside all the, uh, trash, uh, uh, places for MTSU's like yeah. campus. It was yeah. like a house right beside all their yeah, trash, like the, the recycling centers and stuff yeah, like that. But like, the best one was the fortress of solid dudes. That, <laughs> that was like the best name. And I saw a lot of great shows there. And, and, um, uh, again, it was just a, I'd never seen music like that. When did music start for you? My dad did Elvis impersonations on the side. No way. Like, like, like parties and, yes. and all that. So he, did he ever do the Vegas thing? That's all he, he only did the later years. He did the seventies. So he had the Aloha from Hawaii suit, which yeah. is the big Eagle. Yeah. And, and, oh, so, so, so Elvis impersonators pick an era of Elvis to be. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm spring of 74 Elvis. Yeah. Or, or whatever. Oh, he's alive then. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, God. I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah. No, I feel dumb. Um, uh, yeah, but exactly. So I grew up every time we were in the car, you know, my dad just had those records. It was like those compilations when, you know, you used to actually have to watch like scheduled programming. And, yeah. and when you couldn't go to sleep at two in the morning, it would be like a montage of old music videos and they would highlight the song that was playing at that time. But it'd just be a scrolling list of yeah, all yeah. these songs on these compilations. Yeah, yeah, That's the CDs we listened to. But, awesome. but he had a collection of like every single Elvis song from the 50s. Every single Elvis song from the '60s, and then every single song from just the box '70s. Box sets and box sets. Oh, every yeah, he just pull out a new one, and that's all we listened to. And so I watched Aloha from Hawaii. Like yeah. I, I know that it aired in 1972, and it was like it was filmed live the same night as the Super Bowl, so it didn't air in the United States, but it aired everywhere else. Ah. And the show was an hour because that's how long they had the technology to satellite broadcast a show. Yeah, like I know all this stupid Elvis stuff. Yeah, and like and and like. So we watched Aloha from Hawaii. Um, 
my favorite, even to this day, I go back and watch it um, probably like once or so every couple of years is the 68 comeback special. You know, that's when Elvis is like in the leather jumpsuit. Yeah. And he's got the big, like all big lights and big wording, just Elvis behind him. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I grew up in that environment. And with so the, music was always a part of it, and it was oldies. Yeah, but like I, I had never heard what a modern band sounded like until someone I think it was junior year of high school because I was listening to Elvis, I was listening to Johnny Cash, I was listening to Buddy Holly. I'm a huge Buddy Holly fan. Yeah, someone handed me a CD because I was starting to play guitar and starting to learn about classic rock. I had a friend and he was like, here, he was like, dude, ACDC is the best. And I was like, what's ACDC? Like, like truly yeah, I, yeah. I was Never, as green yeah. as it could get. Yeah. He was like, what? Here's Led Zeppelin. So still I was in the, in the past. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, this makes sense. This like, is modern music. Yeah yeah. 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 And then someone handed me a burnt CD. It had the first three strokes records on it. Ooh, nice. And it had the first four Kings Leon records on it okay. on a different one. Yeah. I, I don't know how I got all those songs on there. You could do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember plugging it in or pushing it in that you plug in phones and stuff. Now, <laughs> uh, you know, I remember putting it in and, and just being blown away because I had never, sounds? yeah, I'd never heard anything like it. Like, you know, the way Caleb Falwell from Kings Leon sings, you know, and the way yeah. guitars are used in the strokes and, and I'd never heard anything like that. Um, to me, songs were always supposed to tell a story like, and that's what a good song was. If, if you thought about the story, then, you know, it was a great song. Right. Um, and so, but this was different. Oh yeah. Changed, changed the way I thought about music entirely. Before I knew it, I had a pedal board for my guitar instead oh, of just an acoustic guitar, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, um, uh, so, you know, Elvis to getting exposed to Kings of Leon and all that stuff. And, and I've always, after that, it was kind of just self-discovery. You know, it was, it was, oh my goodness. Like I got a little taste of it. I was like, you know, let's jump in the ocean. Like, yeah. I'll listen to anything and I'll give it a chance. And, and I still find myself falling back to artists that resonate some of those old trends and stuff. Like one of my favorite artists is Pokey Lafarge. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that name. And he's like, he dresses like he's from the forties, you know, and, and, but he's got a band behind him and, and, and he sings songs like those old timey ragtime folks, but it's just got a beat behind stuff. Oh yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, High school picked up that kind of stuff. And started playing guitar too. Yeah. You know, and, and I think. Acoustic first and then the, and then the electric started as kind of a storyteller ballady kind of stuff on acoustic. And then, and, you know, learning Johnny Cash songs, you know, yeah. learning three chords in the truth songs, you yeah. know, like, yeah. and, and then. Some you, John Prine. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I love John Prine and, and, um, and, and it just developed from there. You know, I, my first guitar was like a little hundred dollar pawn shop guitar, yeah. and, you know. I have a real theory about beginners and them being weeded out. You know, it's like, it's like with cameras, like we don't talk about photography and stuff, but I am into that, you know, realm. And and it's like, you know, you take a photo on your phone. It does look good these days, Yeah, but it's not the same as doing it, you know, with a high end Sony mirrorless camera or or something like that. And same thing with guitar. Like if you start out, you know, if, if I handed you and you'd never taken a photo before, a brand new, what are they on? Four now? A74 or yeah, something for Sony? Yeah, something like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you take a photo with it. It's it's going to look great. It's going to be sharp. It, you know, it's going to be there. And you'll just be like, something's not great, but it's there. Mm-hmm. You buy a cheap guitar. It doesn't stay in tune. It's hard yeah. to press down. 
Yeah. But if I would have handed you like a $600, you know, decent, modern, moderate guitar, you'd have a chance. Yeah. Like, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people get stuck just because of the gear limits. Yeah. them. Because I remember being livid and pissed when I couldn't play stuff on that pawn shop guitar. Yeah. It's, it's a barrier to entry thing, right? I mean, it's... It, I remember my first mandolin was like a $200 mandolin and I was like, Oh, this is so hard <laughs> yeah, to play. Yeah. And then I, and then I played like a, like a really nice couple thousand dollar F mandolin. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what, this, this is, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah, no wonder like, I was about to quit. You're like, I thought playing was hard. It's just my mandolin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and so is the barrier to entry. I mean, it's that way with f- photography and everything now too. Right. I mean, it's, it, it, it drops technology gets better. And then now you've got a, you've got a, a phone in your pocket that can take just as good of a photo as a, the highest end camera could have, you yeah. know, 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. I I'm still on an iPhone, I think seven or eight, but you know, I have friends that have the 11s and yeah, and I don't even know where they put them. They're so yeah. big. <laughs> yeah. We shot a commercial on an, on an iPhone 11. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah that's we did crazy. And a gimbal. Oh man. Yeah. It's nuts, man. And it looks great. <laughs> Nobody's ever called us on it or anything. It's amazing. So uh, you ended up at MTSU? Yep. Uh, and I Was did, that for music or was that for something else? So I went out there for um, audio engineering because oh, that's cool. what they're known for their program. And and at that time, I only ended up spending a year there because I just got burned out. I, I was playing uh, guitar for a church. I was working at the library. I was working at a Kmart. And I ended up being a janitor too on the side. Yeah. But I had to do that to get by. Yeah. Like I had rent, which I'd never experienced before, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, uh, so just didn't have a great experience financially. Like I never felt secure. I never felt like it was my place, even though I did have those great like weekends and weekdays of riding bikes and playing music. And, and we did a lot of cool music stuff out there, but I was just playing electric guitar for a group out there and random weekends would bring me back to Knoxville. Mm hmm. And that was the time of like uh, the square room was still yeah. pretty prevalent. Like we actually came back and competed at the sound off, uh, you know, with this band. It was called O Youth, and 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 every time I, we even played Rhythm and Blooms Festival, like, really? and it was when it was still in Market Square, and yeah, and and, and I just realized that Knoxville special. I mean, you, you hear that from a lot of people, but Knoxville truly is special. And I didn't get that far away, but. You know, I wanted to come back. And when I when I was growing up, we didn't come downtown. I think the only time we ever came downtown was to go to, uh, what is it, O.P. Jenkins? Yeah. For some odd reason, store. my parents bought furniture from there. I still to this day do not know why. But that Oh, it's a great place. Honestly, the only memory I have of like car meters is from us going there. Really? Like as a child, you know? Yeah. So when I came back, I I lived downtown and it was like, it was like a new place. Yeah. Um, when I was like 15 and stuff, we played Long Branch, you know, before I yeah, went out to MTSU. Yeah, <laughs> on campus. Yeah. yeah. What do you think makes it special? What do you think makes Knoxville special? Because I agree there's an intangible about it. There's something that, that I mean, I live here for a reason. I've lived a bunch of other places and I could have easily stayed there. But for some reason, I'm here. Yeah. Chose how, it to grow my family. How long have you been here? Uh, I was born here and then uh, lived here till I was 18. Moved to L.A. for two years and lived in L.A. for... Um, till I was 20. Oh, wow. And then I moved back to Knoxville, uh, back to the East Tennessee area. And then I moved to South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, and then did film school there. And then I got back here. I got back to Knoxville about 11 years ago. 
Wow. Me and my wife were dating long, long distance at the time. She was in college and I was done with school. Uh, and then we both decided to just kind of move back here and make it, make it happen here. So yeah, I've been back here about 11 years and I've, you know, lived in California and South Carolina since then. I, I'm definitely one or before that, that. Yeah. I, I do not let go of something until it's just shattered. Yeah. You know, like I have jackets that should have been retired seasons ago. And, <laughs> and, and because I love knowing that I was with that when X happened or, or when, or I've had that jacket since I was, you know, 14, I like being able to say stuff like that. Like yeah. I wear a silver dollar around my neck. Yeah. I've been wearing it for 15 years. Yeah. Like I found it at my grandfather's house. He drilled a hole That's in it awesome. when he worked at a Levi's factory. Cause we used to have one here in Knoxville. And yeah. I, used, I used to go through his shit all the time and he hated it. But I found this and it had a hole in it and I put a necklace on it. And I love just knowing that it's been around me for that long. That's super cool. And without a doubt, like I have that affection towards Knoxville. Yeah. Like, cause it has truly been around me for that long, mm-hmm. but you know, I've played in Nashville. I've been in the bars where you can go up five stories and hear six different Leonard Skinner songs on the way up. Yeah. You know, um, and I've, I don't go out west very often, but you know, music does take me. I, I've been very lucky with music, um, more so playing bass and guitar for folks than my own stuff, to be honest. But you know, like, I've been to New York and and all stuff, and and I never you know stayed there you know for you know six months or anything like that. But anytime I'm in those places, somehow I always want to come back to Knoxville. Really, it's never like, man, I wish I could stay here another week. You yeah. know. And, um, I, I adore the community that's here. Mm-hmm. I, I think everyone's very supportive and, and, and such. And I like feeling rooted. So that, to me, as a personal experience, it's, I like knowing and seeing the world change around me and, and even remember what it used to be or, or yeah. and even what it can be. So it, it feels comfortable and it doesn't, it, and it, it, it feels easy. Like, especially from living in LA for a while and, you know, working six miles away from where I lived and it took me 45 minutes to get to work every day. Like that's not, that's not going to happen here, but we, but it, but you've got everything you want. You want to stay out and party until three in the morning. It's here. You want to go get a world-class education at a university. It's here. You know, there's, there's everything that, that another big city has. We have it. We might not have you know, we might not have 10 of them, but we've, <laughs> yeah. but we've got one, yeah. you know, or five or whatever. And, and you can do just about anything you want. It, it's, I think Will Wright was on the show and said it, it's, you know, it's as, it's as, you know, as big of a town or as small of a city or, you know, as, as you want it to be, like, you can feel kind of any way you, in any way you want to. And I think it's very comfortable and it's very, it's civilized is a word that, that I yeah. hear, you know, I mean, it's, it's very you know, you don't have, it's not hard. You don't have to break your neck to make a living. You don't, you know, find a house. It's, and then you can go do things like create and and make music. You can get your baseline taken care of here very easily. There's some guy in a purple house in Park Ridge who wants to let you rent it for peanuts. Just so so you can make music. That's exactly what I was going to say. So some places like LA and New York, you, you put yourself out there and like, people like want to find the little ants to step on, you know, Yeah. is my personal experience is anytime I've put myself out there, you know, someone has been there to be like, you did a cool thing there. I think you should do it again. Yeah. Or, 
or here you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here in Knoxville. Yeah. Like, you know, I started, you know, we released one video of my own stuff and I was like, this is probably as far as it's going to go. And, you know, and I had people like, Hey, I, I, I knew you played bass for such and such, but I didn't know you did this. Like, when are you, when are you performing? And, you know, That's great. It, it wasn't, what are you doing? You're a bass player. Yeah. You know, you know, oh, lame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in your lane, bro. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've never had a lack of support, you know, yeah. here. And, and of course that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of outlets for it too. There's a place you can play every night, you know, I feel like, I feel like I've every year I learned something new about Knoxville, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, or we get something new and, and, you know, I, I will be honest. Um, I was, I did listen to the one with Bill Foster Yeah. Uh, over the past couple of days trying to, he's a Park Ridge guy. He's a great guy, <laughs> man, Bill. I have the craziest relationship with Bill because like anytime I see him in person, he will just insult the hell out of me really? because he's like, that's, I guess his, that's his love language is yeah. to insult me. <laughs> <laughs> You're an easy target. Travis. But like, but then, you know, those pub nights that start with like, screw you, Travis end at like two in the morning. He's a little drunk and he's like, ah, I love you, big wood. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's great. Um, but I listened to that podcast oh, and, and it was, it was great. And, you know, I learned a lot about Bill, honestly, that I didn't know. And so that was really fun because he has been a huge part of my life and, and I've loved getting to know him and he is very supportive. Yeah. You know, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he is part He's of, important to the scene. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, if you don't have proof it happened, it didn't, you know, yeah, <laughs> you, exactly. you know like, um, the tree falls. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you say something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> um, so, um, but, um, that entire podcast, the last like, or there's a section of like 15 minutes where you're just like, man, you know, I've been in this town forever and I've just never been to Beagers. I'm going this year. I'm going. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, man, I hate knowing how this ends. You know, it's like I was hearing past you get so amped up and so convinced that you're going to Big Ears. Boy, did you did you know what was coming for you? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I had a couple of people hit me up after that podcast and they were like, wait a second, you've never been to Big Ears? And they said, I've got you a ticket. Oh, my. We're, we're going. I had a number of people. We got your pink house. Said, yeah. We got your pink house. Exactly. <laughs> and they said, you know, we're hanging out all weekend and we're going. My treat. And oh. I was like, oh, man, thank you. And uh, I was pumped. I was playing. I was ready to go. <laughs> oh, oh, damn you. Okay. So here's my big ears story. Okay. I played a show with Eric Baker. Yeah. And I had befriended some of his followers. and yeah. And... Um, very lovely people. Their name's the Coopers. They're out of Texas. They're some of the best people I've ever met and they love Knoxville too. Like, and so they invite me to dinner and we go to JC Holdway. Yeah. You know, and and they're just trying to have a good time and it's like, oh, we're out of town. Let's, let's, oh, they're in town for an Eric Baker show. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, and, and so we're there and we're hanging out and before I know it, two bottles of wine are gone and a couple of brews. Yeah. And, and they're like, Hey, Travis, we're not done. What else is going on? And I'm like, you guys are so lucky. It's big ears weekend. And I was like, we can't get any of those into any of those shows, but there's a lot of free ones happening. Yeah. So these guys love live music. They flew all the way from Texas to come see live music. Right. So I'm like, I got an idea. Let's go to the pilot line. (laughs) (laughs) So like, 
you know, I was thinking like we'd walk in there and it'd be like really heavy and, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, this is like a hole in the wall, like bar. But to us, you know, it's like, that's yeah. the art center yeah, like of exactly. our town. But I wanted them to walk in and be like, this is rock and roll, you know, and, and also to see the extremes of Knoxville because Eric is a very polished performer, but he also has that like raw, like vocal talent. And then you can go to somewhere in the old city, like the pilot light and see somebody, you know, bend a guitar string, you know, up and, to, and make all these crazy sounds. And, and like the craziest show I ever saw there was, you know, there was like a drummer who like was throned, like he was a prince through the crowd and he was still playing the drums. Oh my it, it was crazy. Anyways, you, you get what yes. I'm saying? Like the two extremes. And I was yeah. like, I'm going to show them all the, the contrast of Knoxville. So like we get down there and it's free, you know, and they're like, yeah, we're, we're doing shows for big ears and, and come on in. And they had just finished, um, like a pedal like demonstration for uh oh no I can't remember their name it's the the pedal making company that we have in town oh my like guitar pedals yeah really yeah I didn't and know it, we had one it's, it's it's going past me that's embarrassing that's okay a- anyways um they had a demonstration for their for their so they were showing out some of their new pedals yeah at the pilot light yeah and, and so we knowing walk, big ears was in town and just kind of yeah they to get, make they make cool stuff that. like very bitty like like almost sequency pedals and stuff. Yeah. So, um, uh, man, that's embarrassing. Anyways. Uh, so we get in there and I'm getting them amped up. Like we took an Uber there and I was, this is how drunk from I was. JC Holdway. This is how drunk I was. <laughs> I got out of that Uber and I go, why the fuck did we take an Uber yeah. from JC? Yeah. <laughs> it's like four blocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Downhill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, like I get out and I'm like, this is the pilot. This is where we're going. And we get inside, like I said, everything's kind of breaking down. And I was, I don't remember who's the bar, but I was like, I was like, hey, there's another show. And they're like, yeah. And so someone's setting up drums. I'm like, guys, this is going to be awesome. I promise it's going to be sick. So the drummer starts playing and I start looking around and you know, okay, he's playing drums. Okay. This is cool. It's big ears. Keep that in mind. Yeah. You know, so he's playing drums and I see them and they're having a good time. And I'm like, okay, he's still playing drums. Something else is going to happen. Something else has to happen. So I go to the bar and get like three PBRs. Yeah. And I'm like, thanks for JC Holdway. Here's an old style. Here's yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I'm like, it's going to be better. I promise. So again, we sit there for 10 more minutes. He adds like a, like a tambourine to his foot and he's still playing the drums. <laughs> and, and then like, it's starting to come to me. I'm like, oh no, there's no guitar amps on stage. There's no bass amp. Like this guy is just going to play drums. And, and it, it wasn't a bad thing, but like, no. that's just not what I brought them it's there pretty to see. Big ears-y. It's not the pilot light that I wanted to show them. It was yeah. big ears, you know? Yeah. And, and so I just start feeling super embarrassed. And, uh, and, yeah. and we end up being there for like 30 minutes. And this dude is still just like going on the ride. Were, were, the, know, were the Coopers getting a little restless? I think so. <laughs> so we ended up, uh, you know, diverging. And we went to Barley's mm-hmm. and Three Star Revival was playing. Ben Gaines was over there. Cool. And, you know, immediately we walked in and you couldn't even, it was like one of those Barley's nights. Like you could barely yeah. see like, where, the, where the pizza tables were, yeah. you know, like, and um, so they had a blast and ended up buying a shirt of Three Star Revival oh, and like, like I had to get somebody to come pick me up and I, and I was, I thought I didn't even say goodbye to him, but I lost them in the crowd of Barley's. You woke up guilty, didn't you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> but last time they were in town, we went to lunch at Barley's. Oh, good. And you know, um, great people, but again, just another night in Knoxville, Yeah. you know, like, yeah. like the fact that you can go see Eric Baker at the Bijou. And then end a night at Barley's watching like a funk, like, you know, hip hop band. And also Big Ears is happening the same weekend. Like, I don't think you can jam a town any more full than that. Right. 
like it's your fault you didn't have a good night that yeah, night. You, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So how? So when you when you got back to Knoxville, what was your first like? What were your first paid gigs like? Getting out there and actually playing. When I got back from, from Murfreesboro, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, so college, I came back. You know, it felt like starting from scratch. Really? And because didn't you know, know anybody really. Well, like all the high school stuff that I did felt petty at that point. Right. Like it really like high school music stuff. Yeah. So I had a band in high school and we played long branch and, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And we played the square room and, and like, we, and like we had some good moments, but I was like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to go play with this folk band and in, in Murfreesboro. Yeah. Was that. Oh, youth. youth. Yeah. It was a band called Oh youth. And then, uh, there was also a group that I played in called lip, lip, lip hands. There's some real classic, <laughs> this is some classic Knoxville hits right here. And, um, so when I came back, I was like, what is going on? And so I just started going to see shows. I went to Prez Pub like as much as I could. I went yeah. to Potlight as much as I could. Excuse me. Um, and uh, Guy Marshall. I yeah. saw Guy Marshall at Prez Pub yeah. and fell in love. And I even walked up to Adam. He's the frontman and the songwriter. And and um, I said, Adam, hey, I just came back from Murfreesboro. Like, uh, if you need an electric guitar player, let me know. I had not even ever played a bass like out. And he goes, I don't need an electric guitar player. I need a bass player. So I like Zach Gillerin was playing drums for him at the time. And he was, I've known him from other musical pursuits and He's such. He's a uh, uh, Zach and Coda guy? Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. So I was, I was helping them out. Like yeah. they were practicing at my house and all this other stuff. Oh, and cool. And again, I told Adam, you know, hey, I can play electric guitar. No, I need a bass player. I called Zach and I was like, hey man, I, I really love Guy Marshall. Like, what do you, how do you feel about it? He's like, man, they're great. I think they're, they're one of Knoxville's best. And, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try to play bass. And I remember getting invited to a rehearsal and I thought it was going to be a full band thing. So I like spent a lot of time working on these songs and come to find out it was just me and Adam. Oh, the band, the rest of the band won there. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know that. So it was just him and an acoustic guitar. And then he handed me an electric bass to play country bass on. Hmm. And again, I had no experience playing country bass at the moment and, or bass in general. And I don't know if you know much about country bass, but it does not sound great without drums. So really? it was literally him, you know, just picking away at, electric, at acoustic guitar. And I was playing bass and just going, doom, doom, doom. <laughs> like, like, and I remember leaving his house and calling Zach and being like, I'm never going to play in Guy Marshall. So uh, that was, that was fun. Yeah. And, you know, it's six years later and, and, you know, we've, I've, we've recorded numerous records and, and they're still one of my favorite bands. And that's the joy of playing with them. Like I, yeah. I've been their bass player and, and I've helped them produce the last two records and, and actually got to be more than just the bass player. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast and, and they're, I have some of the most fond memories with them and, and truly some of the most band weekends, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like just go into that next level yeah. and like being like, why are we acting so wild right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so when, when you were living in Park Ridge across the street from me, I, I met, uh, or I saw Keeney, uh, Jonathan Keeney come yeah. out of your place one day and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm over here playing with, with Guy Marshall and, and Travis. I was like, oh, cool. Guy Marshall, who's, what's he do? And he was like, no, it's actually, it's, what did he say? <laughs> It was named after one of their granddads? Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, one it was named gran- after Adam's granddad. Yeah. Okay, his name was Guy Marshall. Well, people call Adam Guy all the time, but yeah. Because they think, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and so it's it's um, it, it's him and a and a female vocalist, right? Yeah, it's his wife. Her, it's her, his wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, they have a beautiful story. Um, you know, they grew up in church together and, and got married at a young age and, yeah. and um, 
too, his songwriting inspires me a lot too. Um, and again, that's why I was even approached. I even approached him because when I saw him at the pub, you know, you go to the pub and it's loud and, yeah. and you know, it's not the sound or anybody's fault. It's just, it's loud. Like yeah. that's the way that it is. And, and you know that going into it. And, and, um, but I remember seeing him and, and he sang story songs. Yeah. Which is what you exactly. came up on, right? Exactly. So, you know, he's, you know, saying old railroad train, you know, come and pick me up. Let's go down rusted tracks. It's like, Oh, you're, you're telling me a story. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Like, like, that's awesome. And, um, so I was very attached to that. And then he also, him and his wife aren't afraid to show you who they are and some of the struggles they've even gone through. Really? And, and they do it, you know, through the art that they make. They're not hiding any kind of vulnerability. Exactly. And, yeah. the, and they've had ups and downs together, sure. you know, you know, and, and, um, getting to be a part of that even, and that community is, is just uh, been a wonderful thing. And, and Keeney too, like Keeney kind of came in, you know, when we were saying, Hey, we, we want to have, we want to lean into the country thing. And he learned how to play, you know, pedal steel for yeah. Guy Marshall. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I haven't seen Keeney in a while. Hope you're doing well. You yeah. Know? I haven't either. I, 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 right when I started the podcast, I told him I wanted him to come on. I need to hit him up. I'm sure he's still in South Knoxville somewhere. And and yeah, he's had a, he's had some great, you know. Yeah, um, he, he's with the Black Lilies for a while and um has done a bunch of stuff. Uh, what was the band with Warren, Joey Jacquard? He had war he was with Warren Treaty for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At which he did a lot of festival stuff with and Yeah. Some something baseball, something ba- Yeah, baseball was awesome. Or it was something like that. It yeah. wasn't baseball. It was yeah, some, baseball. Is that what they was? were called baseball. <laughs> Yes, they they're fantastic too. It's jazz, jazz hologram. That's yeah. the pedal company. Hologram is the pedal company. Okay, got it. <laughs> so, so your stuff with uh, with Guy Marshall was that your your did did it feel like you were becoming a studio bass player or like a sessions bass player at some at some point when you were like I play guitar? Well, so I actually did become that. Like, yeah. like I started playing bass for Guy Marshall. Started playing bass for. What was Zach and Cody's Sweet Life became Sweet Years and even produced some of their stuff too. Cool. Which again, that's what I went to MTSU for. Yeah. And um, I like I learned when I was at MTSU that it was you can spend four years here and walk away with something, or you can just go do it. Yeah. And, and yeah. so when I came back to Knoxville too, I was just trying to find any studios around that were actively recording. Cause I thought, Oh, if I just did it for six months, I would probably learn so much more than having to go through the copyright class and then getting to studio a where you wanted to be, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and so I don't remember exactly how it panned out. Um, I'm sure it's on my eye calendar somewhere, but um, <laughs> like I started hanging out with this gentleman named Will Carter. I don't know. Yeah. If he, I know Will. Yeah. So Will produced uh, um, Eric Baker's last album, right? So yes. So for the past, like, probably about five or so years I have been involved with Will in some capacity. Gotcha. And he's got a sweet studio up in, is it mascot? It's or in Blaine? mascot, which is yeah. stands for mining and smelting company of Tennessee. You're kidding. It's like Alcoa. What does Alcoa stand for? Like aluminum company of America. Oh my or something like gosh. That? I had no <laughs> <earthly> idea. <laughs> mascot used to be a mining town. Alcoa is an aluminum town. Who knew? I did not know that one. Mind blown. Yeah. But yeah, so I, he, oddly enough, Will recorded my high school band. When no way. He, and, and, you know, that was about the only experience I had with him. But you knew him. I knew him. Yeah. And, and so he, we had that experience. And when I came back, I, I guess he got wind that I was playing bass for folks. And he said that he needed a bass player. Yeah. 
And so, you know, I started hanging out with him, filled in on a couple of gigs. And then before I knew it, I was kind of his like go-to guy. Oh, cool. And he was recording a bunch of stuff and just bringing you in. Yes. To play and, session and, and he had his own live shows. And, and gotcha. so, you know, before I knew it and, you know, it was like three or four years that it all happened, but, um, we had, I'm trying to think of the first record we did over there that I was like really involved in. Um, we, anyways, he, he, he has a studio out there and he's, he's recording folks and it, he's definitely one of the best in town. I, I still believe that. Um, he's a hell of a Dober player. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Is there a little dragon? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so he, um, you know, he was like, I want to start recording people. And, and so we, I've been the bass player. I was the bass player on like Trisha Jean's first EP after she left the black lilies, Trisha yeah. Jean Brady. Yeah. Uh, we did a, um, we did night colors, a record over there. Um, we did, man, uh, like, I, because of him, I've played at like the Tennessee Valley Fair with like Emily Ann Roberts, who was yeah. like on The Voice. I yeah, got yeah. to play bass with uh, Glenn Campbell's daughter for a while, yeah. and that was crazy. I've like played CMA Fest and and all this other stuff, and and um, you know, being that, you know, before I knew it, it was like, hey, we're a part of all these projects, and we, I was the bass player on Eric's new record. Yeah, Morning Light. Yeah. And again, it was just like another session, you know, he, by that point we had done like 10 or 12 and some of them were just random, you know, it was like, come over there, record one song and it took 30 minutes and I went home Yeah, and someone sent me a check, you know, via Venmo or something. Yeah. And, and, um, so I remember getting the, the call to come out there cause we were going to start on a new project and I got out there and Eric was there and I'd, I'd only heard about Eric and I saw him at rhythm and blooms like 2006 or something when it was at the botanical gardens. Yeah. And, um, but I knew that he was a, you know, a guy that was like up there, you know, and, and, yeah. and again, because he doesn't play at press pub and pilot light. Like I hadn't seen him, you yeah. know, and like those, those are the places that I was going And but I knew who he was and I, and you know, he was in there and, and he said, Hey, this is the record we're working on. And, and Eric's here to check out the studio. And, and that was about two and a half years ago. And, you know, post that we did a, numerous Bijou shows with him. I went to, Atlanta a few times with him to play at Eddie's Attic and all that stuff, but it was as a bass player, you yeah. know, and, and bass playing has taken me more places than most things, yeah. honestly. Well, I, I'm, I'm really impressed by your solo stuff. Um, Thank you. For sure. It's very good. Your voice is a lot, a, a lot better than I would have imagined a bass players would be. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, sir. <laughs> no, I had no idea when I heard you singing today. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that, I'd watched a couple of your YouTube videos and all that. But, but when I heard you live, I was like, oh, this is sweet. Well, I hope it comes across that yeah. way. Yeah. So when, uh, you know, we, you and I have known each other across paths from being neighbors and all that. But then uh, we were showing up to film uh, at Will's studio, at Will Carter's studio to film uh, for a documentary that's finished, but not out yet. It's still in the festival circuit. Did you guys it, create any drama in the Eric Baker documentary? We didn't need to manufacture anything. Man. I it believe was all it. there. If Will it Carter's involved, there. I believe it. Yeah, it was great, but it's called composing a stranger and it's by, uh, uh, Jordan Peltz was the director and he did a 
fantastic job, man. It's so good. Oh my goodness. Uh, but this I, is the first I'm hearing of it. Really? Yeah. Did, but that's what we were there shooting that well, day. I, I remember that day you guys coming in and like micing us up and there was yeah. enough stress on me to get three or four songs done on bass a day, yeah. much less put a mic on me where I couldn't like mouth yeah. to myself that I was mad about well, something. I was a little bit nervous too, because I'd, I'd worked with Eric quite a bit, but we were also going into a place. We didn't really know a whole lot of what to expect. We didn't know if we were going to be second fiddle or if we were going to be running the show or what was going to be going on. You know, we didn't know, was this, did this need to be a big shoot? where we needed to direct traffic or was this something where we just kind of sit back and let the art take place and, yeah. and, we, and we kind of make our art alongside it. And it, and that's what it ended up becoming. But I'll tell you what eased my mind a lot is I showed up and, and Eric was there and he's like, meet my buddy. Will. I was like, Oh, Hey, Will, good to meet you. And then you showed up and I was like, Oh, oh good. This is great. And then David Whitaker showed up oh, to play drums yes. and me and David Whitaker used to play travel baseball together when we were kids. No and I've known way. him my whole life. I mean, I've known him since I was 10 years old. And so I was like, okay, I, th- this is, this is okay. And I've of course known Eric for a while too because we filmed his television show yeah. uh, uh, Tennessee Uncharted yeah. for, for a while. So he, I didn't know you knew, knew Dave. Yeah. So I knew the whole room by the time, you know, everybody got there. I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be okay. These are guys I can work with. Well, man, I, I truly did not. I, I remember you guys filming that. And in my mind, I was just like, oh, he's just going to use this to, to put out teasers about the album. Yeah. You know, and he, he's going to show like, oh, behind the scenes. And then you guys were there a couple of days. Yeah. And, and I remember like near the end of it, it was like, no, they were here to film like a documentary style film. Yeah. And, and I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah. It's since. called composing a stranger. And yeah. it's, it's very much, um, it's very much about, um, about Eric's kind of, uh, pivot that he had to do in the, in the music business, uh, to, to like keep a viable family life, well, you know, that honestly performing with him, playing bass for him, you want to you want to be good for whoever hires you. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you're doing video shoots or anything, mm-hmm. you hope you know when the show's over, you know, or whenever you give off the final project or uh, product, it's like, you know, I'm happy that guy was here. You know, yeah. like I would always, you know, do the homework and make sure. And I, I wrote some of the baseline, so I didn't really have to think about that. But yeah. you know, anytime we played the Bijou, anytime we played these other places, I was like, okay, make sure you go out there and you give a hundred percent. But man, the way he tells his story and the way he involves his family and those events yeah. and, and he's so transparent. That's why people love him. And yeah, and even performing with him, you can feel it on the stage. Like like and he pushes you like not like Travis, you better fucking play the bass. Like yeah. like as a performer, he it's like, okay, rehearsal was fun, but when he steps out on that stage, it's like turning a switch and it's like it's time. To yeah. re- like to perform. Yep. He's, he, he's a great guy and I'm, and I'm re- really happy to know him. We shot some local love box stuff with him a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and him and will, mm-hmm. and, and it was really great. He's playing the dobro. Yeah, he was playing the dobro, <laughs> wasn't he? Get uh, your banjos. But, but, uh, Eric, Eric is, uh, uh, he and I have been texting about him coming on the show. It's, he's been busy, but he's, he's going to come, he's going to come on the podcast oh, sometime. Yeah. We can get him over here. I'm a, I might have to, you know, handcuff him, blind, <laughs> blindfold him, throw him in the trunk, bring him over here, but he's going to do it. I'm sure he, I mean, he, lo- he loves, you know, doing this kind of stuff and he, and he is a yeah. busy guy, you know, he's with that uncharted and everything else. And yeah. And everyone that's playing music right now, you know, with what's going on and we haven't talked about it too much, but is you know, just trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Well, you've done some live stuff recently, right? So, so <clears throat> well, first, before we get to that, like, do, do we, are you rounded out kind of with Guy Marshall and and Eric Baker stuff, and then your solo stuff right now? Is that kind of what's keeping you keeping you busy? So 
Guy the, Marshall kind of made the decision at some point. We we did like do the weekends where we would leave on a Thursday and come back on a Sunday yeah. and you know, show, show, show. And um they kind of internally made the decision that, you know, hey, we, we're okay with being a Knoxville band. Like yeah. and and I love it. Like yeah. and we play, you know, probably about twenty shows a year. Cool. And, and, and like I'm I'm fine with that. But last year, you know, my solo stuff we did about uh, I think it was 38 is what I counted. So and solo shows, solo shows. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And so we went to, you know, we went all the way from Texas to New York last year. Playing, really? Well, actually all the way to New Jersey, which is really, like, yeah. Yeah. And so is it Travis Bigwood and the Lonesome Doves? Yeah. Is that the the, mm. the title? Yeah. yeah that's it's it. Not, yeah. It's not just your name. Nope. <laughs> well, I never wanted my name to be in it, but I guess we never came up with a good name and I like my last name. So yeah. 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 <laughs> You'd just be Bigwood, man. You know, I, you, you know, here's, here's where like the Madonna or Prince, I'm scared of using that because I've had people come up to me and been like, what kind of asshole gives herself the stage name, Travis Bigwood. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally have to be like, that is my name. <laughs> yeah. I bet you've had to defend that one for a long time. Well, well, I, I bet you've heard all the jokes. Well, too. my brother's older than me and he was a senior when I was a, uh, well, yeah, freshman. Oh, were so. you Smallwood? Oh, I was Littlewood. You were Littlewood? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when he graduated, it was like, I got promoted. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got your name back. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and um, but you know, I, I hate to say it, but I'm not playing bass for Eric with his life stuff right now. Oh, okay. And, I didn't know that. Well, it's not my choice. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's some Knoxville drama for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you heard it here. Yeah, yeah. You heard it here. Yeah. Uh, just south of that little river. Um, uh, and, um, but yeah, I, I've really been focusing on the solo stuff and we've been doing, you know, those cover videos that we've been putting together. Yeah, those have been great. Well, I, I saw the way, you know, anybody handles their music stuff and, and who has been successful and who has it. And I'm not saying they did it in a wrong way. It's just you always have your own opinion. Yeah. And, you know, when I saw Guy Marshall and the way they approach stuff, my thought was you could play 100 shows and play for you know, two people at each show. Cause I've done that. I've drove four hours to play for five people before. Yeah. That wasn't the plan. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. So even when I started the solo stuff, it was just make something that people can revisit, you know, make, yeah. make videos. And, and I was like, if we get shows out of the videos, great. Yeah. And if we don't, who cares? Yeah. So the priority has always been on making those videos. And I've always had a goal to make six a year and I've never hit it, but, um, uh, because we always want to do like a Knoxville place and, and make it make sense. So yeah. we've, we've done Maple Hall. We've done St. John's Cathedral. Yeah. We just did Saints and Sailors Barbershop. Um, that's cool. That's the point, you know, yeah. and, and, and even with the, the stuff with like the local love box, which yeah. is what we just did today. Like I haven't been doing like solo, you know, streaming. I did a stream with the open cord. Um, oh, yeah. And I did a stream. You know Sammy McAteer? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And, he's my buddy. Oh yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, we did that and then we did the, uh, stream with, um, second bell with blank news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that kind of outlet. Yeah. I haven't done like just a Travis Bigwood live streaming thing. Right. Um, excuse me. <coughs> Mostly because, um, I'm okay. And I don't mean that in like a mean way. Like I, I truly think after all this happens, streaming is going to be part of a successful musician's life. I'll buy that. Period. Yeah. But the people who are streaming, you know, every other day are the people that live gig to gig. Yeah. And I'm not one of those people and I'm blessed to be that way. Yeah. Well, you've got to get, you've already got a job, right? Exactly. Like, like as soon as all this started, you know, 
I had kind of made another jump to say, oh, let's give music another full kind of, you know, put the pedal to the floor and, and give this music thing a go. I'm 27 now. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know, this finance thing, it, it's messing with me. I need to step away from it. And I kind of saw what was going on. And, and you know, I have friends in the service industry and everything else. And, and I was like, whew, I, I think, you know, gig work is going to go away. And truly, I was booking up a storm. Like, you should have seen really? our calendar. Yeah, yeah. I was like, we played like six shows at the beginning of March, you know? Really? Like, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and and then, of course. So you had to cancel a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. It, you know, the first email that I got about a cancellation, I remember getting it. We were supposed to play at um, Aeromont, Aeromont in Gatlinburg. It's an art school. Yeah. They they do, they were doing a, uh, like, anniversary celebration and they were expecting like, you know, 600 people. And they were asking us to, again, I was saying yes to anything. I was like, yeah. I'm going to make music work. That's great. They, they were like, we need some, you know, Southern Appalachian Americana bluegrassy vibes. And I was like, you got it, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll play, we'll loop a bluegrass song for th- like 10 minutes and play solos over it. Yeah, let's do it. Sure. You know? And, um, I remember they were the first people that canceled on me and it was, it was early March. Like, and they were like, Hey, we were having people flying from everywhere and, and we just think the smartest thing to do is to cancel the show. And I remember getting that email and being mad. Like really? I was like, damn like, it. What like, are these people thinking? Exactly. I, I remember being like, man, I just made the switch here. And, and again, it was all selfish then, you know, because like. Wait, so you made the switch from actually well, ha- having the financial. I quit my finance job. Yeah. And then I was like, let's just book shows. Let's play shows. I'll make it work. And so, you know, I was booking anything that can because I turn down shows all the time. And, and, and again, that's not me saying I'll turn down shows. It's like, yeah. I pick and choose the shows that we want because I don't want us to be that band. I want yeah. us to be this band. It's, it's my idea and I haven't had to sacrifice it for anything. Right. And, and, and so like, I was like, Nope, we do anything. If you want us to play Merle Haggard for four hours, we'll do it. Yeah. You know, you know? And, um, so they canceled and, and they were the first ones to do it. And I remember just being shocked. I, I remember taking a screenshot of the email and sending it to the group text and being like, what's this bullshit? Yeah. Like what is going on? And, and, you know, as things unfolded, it was like, yeah, like, wow, those people were ahead what of the foresight. game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, where were they? Yeah. And and so I was lucky enough because of the background that I have, because of the certifications that I have, I was able to get a desk job that has been deemed essential. And, and you know, I've been working at a finance firm, just, you know, helping people. And a lot of people are scared right now. And that's yeah. and, and it's a time that people, yes, are probably need a lot of uh, consolation. They probably need uh, a lot of assurance. They probably need some confidence from somebody that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, again, from where I come from, like we didn't talk about money and, and we never did. And I think that's why I find it interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> like it's boring to talk about IRAs and Ross and all that. It, it really yeah. is boring. And, but I did find it interesting because it was like, how did these people get to where they are? It's yeah. because they understood this. And, and, and even again, like I said, you, earlier, you know, those types of meetings that you have with people, it's seriously someone saying like, Travis, I spent 40 years of my life learning engineering. I didn't learn money. I -hmm. don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Help me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we've had financial crap. We're getting into like some finance talk. That's okay. (laughs) You know, like 2007, 2008 happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even when that did, you know, I, I didn't understand it. You know, I was young. I didn't know what was going on. And neither did my dad. And he made some bad decisions they shouldn't have made when he got laid off from C-Ray, you yeah. know, and that's happening again now. And people don't know what to do. People get scared. You know, the market, wh- whatever you know about it, it went down very significantly. And 
And I used to, my story to people as a financial advisor was no matter how good of an advisor I am, no matter what, what I know and what I don't know, I will never be able to fix the decisions my dad made in 2008. Right. You know, pulling out IRAs and, and all this other stuff. Yeah. It's like, no matter how good of an advisor I am, I'm not going to fix my parents' situation. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And it's like the, the decisions you make today are going to affect who you are 10 years from now. Yeah. Like you see that the most when it comes to money. Gotcha. And, and, and so it, I do like that aspect of it. Like I like talking to people and, and saying, Hey, like, well, I know you've seen the movie before, right? Yeah. You, 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 know, you can, you can tell them to choose their own adventure here. Yeah. Well, right. It's like, I know you're scared. You know, I know it's uh, every day is a new day and all that other stuff, but like, you got to be confident that, you know, this is going to change and this is going to go back up just because, you know, X happened, you know, the market's down 30%. You don't jump out of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, and I'm sure that that trust is a huge deal too. Like in, in skepticism, I'm sure people are super skeptical that you just want to make money, Travis Bigwood. Oh yeah. Right. So you're going to tell me whatever makes you the most money, you know? So I'm, I'm sure there's some, some skepticism that you have to overcome there. It, it's wild. And, and you know, it's, it's even silly too. To, like sometimes I, I'm sure there's workers out there right now that, are going to work and are like, why am I essential? Yeah. And, and probably in like sometimes a negative way. And sometimes probably in like a, what am I even doing here? You yeah. know? Um, but you know, you have to trust at the end of the day, no matter how you feel about the people in charge, they do know more than you, not because you're not as intelligent as them or just because they have access to more knowledge and more information than you do. I feel you. And you know, at the end of the day, you just hope that they're making the right call. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Yeah. Well, dude, what, what do you have coming up? What, what, what's, what's keeping you busy? So, you know, well, this will probably be released after the fact. After the love box? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'll be released three days after your love box. But even, even the reason we were really excited to be invited to the local love box thing is because these live streams and playing shows, like I love feeling a part of the community. That's yeah. why whenever we shoot the videos, we try to shoot them in Knoxville places instead of just our living room every yeah. single time, you know? Yeah. And, and so like, very excited to be a part of that. I'm excited for anybody that is making the best of this bad situation mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and also doing it in a safe manner. Like, yeah. you know, you guys reach out to me and, and, you know, Hey, we're doing a bare minimum crew. Yeah. Like you guys sometimes reform as a trio. Don't <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and I respected yeah. that. It wasn't, it was like, Oh yeah, of course that makes yeah. total sense. And, and, um, uh, so, you know, we're, we're excited to get on the back end of this, but you know, we've got music on Spotify and, and we did a, just a couple of months ago, release a video that we shot at saints and sailors. Cool. It's a Beatles cover. And, um, well, I'm sure you've, uh, you know, I'm sure you've already got, um, already got, you know, somebody in place to do that stuff for you that, that shoots those for you. But if you ever need any help with those, happy to do it, man, because I think it's a super cool idea and yeah. I think they turn, they turn out really great. And if uh, anybody listening hasn't seen them, uh, Google, what's a Beatles cover called? Well, you can Google my name, but be yeah. careful because <laughs> my joke on stage is always do it in an incognito window, just in, just in case. <laughs> the private browsing window? Yeah. Is Googling Travis Bigwood. <laughs> but yeah, if you Google Travis Bigwood, I'm truly the only one that should pop up. Yeah. Uh, and If your browser settings are correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you turn child lock on it's and, it, uh, yeah, and yeah. Google Travis Bigwood and you'll get my name. But yeah, like we've... We've got, you know, the band camp and, 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 um, we, we used to really push our YouTube page, but then like kind of the video content on Facebook kind of took over. So we've been putting all of our videos there. There's a crazy statistic I heard a few years ago that was like, um, 
YouTube, you know, when you think about watching videos online, you think of YouTube, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I think it was 2018 where there was more minutes of videos watched on Facebook than there were on YouTube. I, be I believe that. Yeah. So we started, you know, okay. Facebook uh, watch. Like, oh uh, yeah, we just put them on our band page oh, cool. and, and um, you know, we put them everywhere, but that's where we push them harder now. Gotcha. Like we, we, we pay for ads and everything else on Facebook and, yeah. and um, so yeah, we're, we're on there and, and, I never dismiss where I came from. Like we have Everly brothers covers and, yeah. and, and like, I love that kind of stuff. And and when we do it, we even try to pursue something about that. So like we did, um, all I have to do is dream by the Everly brothers. Gotcha. And me and the gentleman performing it, we watched them on the Ed Sullivan show before we filmed oh, it that's cool. and like staged ourselves the way that they did. Now, does anybody pick up on that? Hopefully one day they will. It's nuanced. <laughs> exactly. So like this Beatles song we just did, I do all the audio, like I mix all the audio. So I love those early records. And, and one of the things that's great about those early Beatles records is what they had to do to get all that into a mix. So, you know, they recorded it mono, but they also had stereo mixes. And in the stereo mixes, it's like all the vocals are on the right side mm -hmm. and then all the instruments and stuff are on the left side. Well, yeah. that's how we mix that video. So, if, so there's nods and winks exactly, here and there yes. to these videos. So if you, so Easter eggs, exactly. So oh, if, man, if, if you go check out our, in my life video, and you just listen to the audio. And, and if you're listening on like some headphones or even some studio monitors, yeah, and you turn off the left channel, you're just going to hear our vocals. Oh, that's cool. And, and vice versa. If you turn off the right channel, you'll just hear all the instruments that we recorded. That's cool. And, and yeah, I, I respect that stuff. You yeah. Know? And, and I think that's why it sounds the way that it does. Um, fighting well, with limitations. So I thought your, I thought your stuff tonight sounded fantastic and I appreciate you guys letting us be a part of it and letting us, uh, letting us shoot it. Well, what a, a way to be exposed to it. Like I, we don't do our sets very long. Really? <laughs> yeah. So shorter. Like, I try, well, I talk a lot. Yeah. And when you don't have the audience, because we've had to adapt to, you know, the live streaming yeah, yeah. And, and just virtual, mm -hmm. you know, audiences, like I, I love knowing that like, I'd rather perform for 30 people than, you know, 2000. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. I would love yeah, to yeah. perform for 2000. Yeah, yeah. But like, because in a room with 30 people, you can tell if they're there. Yeah. I feel you. You know? Yeah. And, and luckily we have venues like that in town, like at the Bijou, you know, if the crowds with the artists there because it's small enough. Yeah. Um, but I like being in places where I can tell people are listening mm -hmm. and, and I like giving context to it, but you know, tonight I played like two songs I'd never played before. Really? And, and, and two, we, we focus a lot on vocal harmonies and stuff like that. Um, so it, those it was, were great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I've always, anytime I go see a live band and they have someone singing harmony, that's what I end up watching for some reason. I love harmonies, man. It just takes it up to that next level, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so. Well, dude, thank you. Yeah, a lot I thought for, you were trying to say goodbye here. to me, so I just kept trying to make everything last a little bit longer. Yeah. I'm in, no, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I appreciate you you being here, and I appreciate what you're giving giving the community with your music. Um, and I think we're gonna watch you go straight up from here because your your voice, man. Like I said, I mean, I I, I didn't expect it because I never heard you sing. Yeah, and when I heard it come out of you, I was like, man, that is fucking beautiful oh man dude yeah so good well that makes me feel real good well yeah. truly i i do not think any one person is successful by themselves. so agreed you know without Need some help without 
stuff like this without the production stuff yeah. that you do. I mean, people out there who are looking for someone like me, who can attach to someone like me and relate to me and want to support my music, you know, that connection doesn't exist without the bridge that you create throughout. It's like this. So, well, thanks man. Yeah, and thanks for I, that. I want to do that. I want to be, a, I want to be a part of that because I'm fascinated with, I'm fascinated with it too. And if, if I can, if I can watch you grow and watch you, you know, get it, get up there, that's as good for me as it is, you know, but to smile on both of our faces. It does, for sure. <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much for coming over. Man, this is a I appreciate blast. it a lot. Thank you. You know, I almost forgot how positive and warm Travis Bigwood is. He's such a great dude to be around. He's infectiously warm and so kind. It's wonderful talking to him. Thank you guys for listening to South of Scruffy. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you guys for being here. Be good. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Matt Honkinen, play me out. Play me out.